illegal participation on the defense. 15-yard penalty from the previous spot remains first down. This had better be a big play after all of that. Second down at eight, four and a half to go in the half, six nothing Beavers. Jonathan from the right hash from the zone 25, goes back to throw, and throws the out, and it's caught, and it's going to be a big play! Chad Johnson down the left sideline, nobody will catch Chad, and it's a touchdown 75 yards for the Beavers! This is the moment, and right here will tell perhaps all about that. Third and one and a half from the right hash. Simon's in the handoff, can't cut to the left, first down and more, 30, 25, 20, Simonton on his way, 10, into the end zone, touchdown Beavers, and the streak is going to end here tonight. The snap on target to Nick. he gets a much better punt away here, Sammy Strotter back to his 30 yard line, starts up the middle, gets to the 40, he's got a seam, 45 midfield, 45, 40, he's got a chance to go, 20, 15, 10, 5, Welcome to Illegal Participation, the official podcast of the Heiner Tailgate. Recording this while firmly ensconced at the Heiner Tailgater headquarters, I'm your host, head chef planner and chief bottle washer, Bill Heine Heinrich. Joining me, as always, from the Heinrich Tailgater Northern Command Outpost, the lead driver and director of thermodynamic limit immersion, my co-host and brother, The Beach. How the hell are you doing, Beach? I'm doing good, Billy. Coming live from my cell phone tonight. Actually, you know what? It sounds pretty good right now. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So, we've, we've... Yeah. For... Go, go ahead, Billy. Oh, I was just going to say we've had recording issues between my uh, microphone not being acknowledged and then last week with the lag time and then the uploading issues we had last week. Last week's what was episode. up with that? It, it didn't upload properly, so it was all funky. And I didn't know about it until later and by that time i was trying to get it up it's reloaded now if anybody wants to go back and listen to it um some okay. people could hear it other people couldn't but. Hmm. anyways the purpose of illegal participation is for us to spread our inside experiences and passion for the oregon state beavers with others and just generally talk beaver sports football and tailgating and have a little bit of fun along the way so beach we're going to get right into this week's episode no foreplay at all huh no foreplay at all um, okay. I want to remind everyone you can listen to us on your iPhone or Android device on the Stitcher Radio app, or you can listen and subscribe to us on iTunes. Remember, HeinrichTailgaterGmail.com if you want to email us. Also, follow me on I'm at HeinrichTailgater on Twitter, and check out HeinrichTailgater on Facebook. Awesome. All righty. And <laughs> my voice is still a little hammered from yesterday. Yeah, I didn't have to scream as much as I normally do. That was kind of nice. Really? Yeah, yeah. My, yeah. Mine's a little hammered, but uh, we're just gonna power our way through tonight. Cause it's a good week to be a beef. It is a great week. Well, I don't know. I didn't hear what the Ducks did, but I'm assuming they beat Portland State, so it's only a half of a perfect week for me. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that when we get there. Okay, Beach. First okay. up, some uh, Beaver sports news. We'll start with women's volleyball. Freaking love women's volleyball. Short shorts and 
girls bouncing up and down. So Reminds the, me of the man show with women on trampolines. All right. The Oregon State volleyball team swept its second straight match Friday morning against Nebraska-Omaha at the K-State Invitational. But the volleyball team's four-match win streak was snapped when the Beavs fell to Kansas State in four sets at the same tournament on Friday. But sucks. But the Beavs uh, concluded the tournament by beating North Texas to move to 6-2 and two on the season. Nice. Yeah. So the uh, women return to play uh, this week at the San Diego State University of San Diego Challenge. The Beavs will play twice on Friday in a neutral site match against University of Texas El Paso and then at San Diego State at Peterson Gym. The Beavs will then shift sites on Saturday when they take on San Diego at the Jenny Craig Pavilion on the University of San Diego campus. Did Jenny Craig go to the University of San Diego? I would figure so since the gym is named after her. Yeah, interesting. Who would have known? Yep. So 6-2, it's good. You remember, you got to win most of your out-of-conference games and then try to go 500 in the conference, and you should be able to make the tournament. Wasn't it only a couple of years ago that we were sucking bad? A couple of years ago, yeah. But they're, they're, they're playing yeah. really well right now, so we got to like that. Fantastic. Right. But uh, on the other hand, let's talk some women's soccer. <sighs> women's soccer. Short shorts and girls running up and down. <laughs> the Oregon State women fell to Texas Tech uh, on Sunday, 4-1. to one. Uh, That leaves the Beavs at 1-6 on the season, and they next play the University of Portland at Lorenz Field on Sunday in Corvallis. How many games did we win last year? Not a lot. I know they won their last two, beating Utah and Oregon, which is always good. uh, Left on a high note. This year's still a little bit of a struggle. Mm. Still a little bit of a struggle. But, uh, you know, we we never go out and we we need to start going to more games like other than, you know, non-football games out there. You know, we, we say we're going to do it, but we never do. We should actually try to plan like once a month, you and I pick a game that we're going to go to. Really? Because I was at the soccer game on Friday night. Well, did you call and say, hey, Beach, you want to come to the soccer game with me? Well, Beach, we always Watch go down. girls and... in short shorts well, run up and down? It was the men's soccer game. We, uh, oh, we're, that's, what are you? We were setting up but... the tent. Oh, okay. Oh, that that whole little episode. Are we going to talk about that little episode? Yeah, we can talk about that here when we uh, talk about the game. Okay. So let's move on to men's soccer beach. Freshman okay. Col- freshman Carlos Moliner's first half goal lifted the Oregon State men's soccer team to a 1-0 win over Penn State last Monday afternoon in Pennsylvania. The soccer team then extended its unbeaten streak to four straight games with a 3-1 win over Cal State Bakersfield Friday evening at Paul Lorenz Field. The 4-1 Beavs will be back at Lorenz Field um, tonight, well, actually last night, because you'll be listening to this on Tuesday, when they host number 17, UC Davis. So we will talk about that next is it week. Com- is it common for us to go all the Go ahead. I'm sorry. For us to go what? Well, we like go all the way to Pennsylvania for a game. That's pretty long ways for a freaking soccer game. Um, yeah. Well, you got to remember they played Sy- – I think the women played Syracuse. Okay. Which is in New York, so yeah. yeah wow, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Play play soccer tour of the country. That's yeah. that's awesome. All right, and our last little bit of news, Beach, is baseball related. Actually, it is completely baseball. Is this is this good news or bad news, Billy? Well, it's uh, sad news if you are a Beaver believer. Long time. I'd like 
Beaver. I'd like to think most of our fans listening to us are. Yes. I hope they are. Well, last week, Beach, longtime Beaver head coach Pat Casey announced his retirement. Wow. Yep, a little bit of a uh, – of. Uh, I, I think people thought he was going to stick around a little more. Um, but, yeah, he announced his retirement, I believe. How, how, how old is Casey? He's 59. 59. Well, you know, aren't you 59? Can't you start taking Social Security? Oh, possibly. Um, you know, he, Yeah, what the hell? You don't want to leave that crap on the table. Well, <laughs> here, the interesting thing is he's retiring from being the head coach, but he's moving into a associate athletic director's role. So supposedly he's going to be helping with the, fundraising and that kind of stuff. Okay, he's not just going to be chalking the fields and that thing. No, he's been uh, – okay. I mean, he did most of the fundraising for the, the stadium upgrades that are there right now. Because I was, I was going to say, is he going to go out and mow the grass out there at uh, at the uh, at the baseball stadium, even though the grass doesn't really need to be mowed? I would say it's, it's artificial <laughs> turf there, Beach. I don't think they really mow it. I figure he's going to be like Forrest Gump, you know. He's going to mow it for free now. Yeah. No, he uh, announced his retirement now – Associate head coach Pat Bailey has been tagged with the interim head coach title for the next season. Now, how long has he been coaching with Casey? Well, he's been with Casey for, I believe, 11 years, I think. I think 11 years. So he's only been through one championship. Um, he's also also a longtime or a, a pitching coach, Nate Yeski, has been retained. So, okay. And we found out during this week that uh, Mississippi State actually made a run at Yeski to become their head coach. Really? Yeah, but he stayed. Now, this whole wow. thing is interesting to me, Beej. You know, during his press conference, he, he said a lot of things. And even in the press conference, he said that he wasn't even sure if this was the right decision. Wow. But he said, you know, he expects his players to give everything they got. And the way I took it is, he wasn't sure if he could give everything, mm-hmm. which meant in his mind, if he wasn't sure, then he couldn't give everything. And so possibly it was time for him to step away. Now, it is interesting that associate head coach Pat Bailey has the interim tag for the entire season coming up. Mm-hmm. Which to me Almost just like it's a test to see the, how it's going to work. Yeah, kind of leaves the door if he wants to come back in. Um, that said, it is also hard to hire a head coach basically in the middle of your off season. Most coaching hires and changes happen right at the end of the season. So like, most, like when, like, it's because typically a coach is going to get fired, fired or, or moved. And so that's, that's going to happen in, you know, May, end of May, mostly in June. Right. So Casey really, Casey really made a late decision on this anyway, because well, theoretically, if he was thinking he would have, he would have announced his retirement either, slightly before the end of the season or right after the end of the season. Well, and on that note, Peach, um, I know several people that work in the athletic department, and they were telling me that they were actually – he was ready to do this three uh, three weeks ago. And the athletic department had the press release ready. They were getting ready to call the press conference. And mm-hmm. the other his other coaches talked him out of it. They wanted him to stay. Wow. But then three weeks later, which is interesting because I believe fall ball starts starts next week, so they're kind of like a spring ball for football where they practice in the spring. Mm-hmm. Baseball has fall ball where they practice in the even though it's not technically fall yet, but they practice in September yeah. and October. 
you know, it's, it's funny when I, I think about coaches retiring, especially good, successful coaches like, like Casey, you know, you sit there and I, I, I draw back to like, uh, uh, your, you, you know, our high school football coach, coach, uh, Craig Rooker, yep. uh, who's out of tiger now, but, uh, uh, did coach at Glencoe for, for many a, a decade. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I don't think coach Rooker will ever retire. I think he wouldn't be happy not coaching. Yeah. And if, the good Lord takes him while he's coaching a game. I think he'd rather go that way uh, than sit in the stands watching one. I kind of agree with you. Um, yeah. Um, and and, and, uh, and Captain, on like, that note, uh, Coach Rooker just won his 300th game on Friday. Which is freaking awesome. Yeah. So you you and I made a brief conversation. I, th- I said, God, he's been coaching so long. I think he'd have more wins. But you made the comment, which I forgot because I haven't gone to high school football games in quite some time. That how many games are in the average season if you don't go to playoffs? Nine. Nine. So three hundred wins and you're only, you know, guaranteed nine games a a season. That's mm-hmm. a that's a lot of freaking wins. <laughs> that is true. So anyway. Well, congrats to, to Coach Rooker. Yeah, I always think of uh, uh remember in Star Trek two The Wrath of Khan where where uh uh I think it's in Rathacon, one of the Star Trek movies, you know, Kirk says, you know, don't do anything that ever takes you off the off the bridge of that ship. So mm-hmm. uh, hopefully Casey doesn't regret the decision or, or if he does, hopefully he has an easy entrance back in. Mm-hmm. But awesome that his uh, coaching staff is supporting him in such a way. You know, it's not like they wanted him to leave, yep. which is kind of shocking, you know. Well, so Typically he you'd think like the underlings would want to want to. Come on, retire already. I want to take over. I want to well, take the reins of this. Well, ba- Bailey is 62. Oh, um, wow. Now, now, Yeski. So we're not I, talking young guys here. No, well, Yeski's younger. I believe he's in his early 40s. Um, but uh, Bailey's 62 and, and was a head coach for a number of years at George Fox. So, Well, do you think Yeski would want to take this over in a year or two then if, if, if the other one's close to retirement? I mean, possibly. Um, so, yeah. Who knows? I, I think they're leaving it open to see kind of how things will work. Now, um, part of it too that uh, Casey said was, you know, when he when he goes through it, he's he for him a Tuesday night game, which in, in the college baseball Tuesday night game is an out of conference game, usually doesn't mean a lot, right? The games that mean mm-hmm. a lot are your weekend series on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and he goes for him, he can't take it easy. Right, he he. A Tuesday night game means just as much to him as a Friday night game, mm-hmm. and he's never been able to not be that way. He also said that, you know, when he's got a player struggling, it, he struggles too. And to me, that was a direct comment about the Luke Heimlich situation. Um, mm-hmm. He said he had a player hurting, going through some really tough stuff, and it really hurt him too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now he did kind of a good coach though. Yeah. Now he did. Uh, he, the other thing too, he said, he's got no uh, hobbies. He said, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do, but I'm grateful <laughs> and I'm a blessed man. So it, it's interesting to see. It's interesting to see. Um, but you know, he, he is retiring after 24 seasons and 900 career wins. 900. And how many, on an average baseball season, how many how many plays? How many baseball games? Yeah, how many um, games? Yeah, they play forty some odd, okay. usually. 
I know in this season, I think they won 56, right? Mm-hmm. So they won two, I think they won six at, they won six at the College World Series. They won, yeah, I want to say it's like 48 games, somewhere in there. Hmm. High 40s on okay. games. So, but anyways, so yeah. So Coach Casey is retired, but um, we'll, we'll see how much that sticks. Okay. So, anyways, hey! Billy! Did you drop your phone, or is that the teletype? That's the teletype. Hold on. Okay. Hold on. Okay. I, I, I actually, believe it or not, I pulled it into the bedroom before I um, before I uh, came in here. So, anyway, and, and, and the cord's long enough. Can you believe that? That's crazy. So, hold on here. I, let me rip off the, the page here. Hold on. Okay. Tear. <laughs> wow. All right. Okay. You know that that almost it was almost like like uh, like a like you'd seen a bubble from a comic book right there, wouldn't you say? Pretty much. You know, and that's funny, Billy. Listen to this. This just in. University of Oregon sponsors Safe Space at the Rose City Comic Con this past weekend. Really? The ex- Seriously, I'm not. I'm not BSing you. The Oregon. I, I was at the Comic Con. Uh, yes, uh, today and on, uh, or you know, today being Sunday and on Friday, and there was an Oregon duck walking around in a in like a like a dark night suit. I okay. crap you not, an Oregon duck. Okay. Okay. So, okay, let me get into. Now, he's, damn it, quit interrupting me. Okay. Due to the excessive violence and gratuitous sex in movies and comic books these days, the U of O sponsored a 30 by 40 safe space booth at the 2018 Rose City Comic Con. Complete with couches, chairs, tables, and coloring books, this safe space was intended, according to a U of O spokesman, to be an area where former, current, and future ducks of all genders, orientations, races, religions, socioeconomic conditions, and mental and physical abilities... Hold on here can can escape the trigger words events and conditions that may cause anger frustrations violence and the act of being offended this is a trial program and if successful will be implemented at other local venues uh, and statewide events including teddy bear conventions kite festivals and dog shows okay so yeah, I think it was successful. We walked by when I was there at the uh, at the event. We walked by. I mean, I didn't even know this thing was going on. Uh-huh. And then I see this big freaking yellow organ sign up in the air and the freaking duck running around, which pissed me off. Thank God I was wearing my my uh, my Beaver Nation shirt today. Nice. And um, yeah, I was I was representing. And uh, I'm like going, what the hell is this? What what does Oregon have to do with Comic Cons? And honest to God, there was black couches and like tables and and like tall tables and chairs and uh, i mean and we're not talking just little kids in here we're talking people of all ages sitting there using their coloring books and drawing I'm like what the hell's up with this and then evidently now it all makes sense now that we've got this uh this press release there so you go. anyway yeah so i I'm, I'm guessing it's successful so i guess in the future uh future state events you know where that can cause trigger issues you know like teddy bear conventions and Kite festivals and dog shows, mm-hmm. you know, they'll set these bastards off. They're going to have safe spaces so they got coloring books and then get away from it all. So well, there can, you go. And the violence. Yeah. So good for U of O. 
way to help uh, keep violence down at the Comic Cons. So. All right. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. There was other other than that little crap and watching the duck dance around. It was pretty fun. There you go. Well, yeah, because at yeah. Comic Con you got who did who all did you get pictures taken with? Okay, I got pictures taken with uh, Ralph Macchio and the Karate Kid uh, William Zabka. So that was pretty cool. Nice. Um, and then with uh, uh, Michael uh, Rooker. Uh-huh. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, forgive me because I can't remember his name, but the actor who played Taserface. In Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Cool. Taserface. Yeah. Awesome. Taserface and I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. And so, and then I didn't know who she was, but I went with my friends uh, uh, Donovan and Maria, and it's uh, I- I- uh, Evangeline Lilly who yeah. played the Wasp in the Ant Man and the Wasp recently. Yeah, and, and she was also she's a in, cute little thing. Yeah, she was also so. in uh, Lost. Yeah, I guess she was also in The Hobbit too. Yeah. So what was really funny is you, you know it. So I uh, oh by the way on a on a side note for people who listen to our podcast the the three or four of you, um, we went to uh, lunch today with uh, the family, uh, Billy, mom, and dad. Uh, it's we're celebrating dad's seventieth birthday. So dad turns uh, seventy on the thirteenth. Correct. Uh, so what was that? I said correct. Yeah. So by chance. If you guys are, are good enough to show up at our next tailgater, which is in about two weeks, roughly, mm-hmm. uh, against Arizona. Is that right? Correct. Okay. So make sure you wish Dad a happy birthday. He's uh, hit the, the 70th milestone, which is pretty freaking awesome. Pretty dang good. So, but uh, anyway, um, what well, was kind of going back to the Comic-Con, uh, so I didn't know – I didn't know who uh, Evangeline Lilly was. You know, I've seen her in the movie, but you know, yeah. don't know her name. But it's so funny because she, um, you know, she played kind of a kind of a witchy gal, you know, in the movie. You know, mm-hmm. like gal with an edge. And I mean, I guess it's just being an actor, an actress, whatever it is. But you know, she was just this cute, sweet, fun gal. She gives uh, uh, Donovan this big hug when we go up there and take the picture. And and I guess Michael Rooker, I missed it because we were at Dad's deal, but Maria. And Donovan said that uh, Rooker's he did a panel, and mm. they said it was funny as crap. Really? Oh my God! They said he beat the the MC or the whoever was supposed to be the the kind of narrator. He got out there before she did. He grabs the mic and he walks out in the audience and starts asking like asking questions or answering questions. And he's like, "All right, we're gonna go over here. Do you have a question for me?" And they're like, "Uh." No. He's like, well, I have a question for you. Do you like ducks? <laughs> <laughs> and, and they're like, uh, and, and he, they said he was just so off the wall. Mm-hmm. And he, they said, um, I, I, I think he, but they just said it was just crazy. Uh, Donovan just said they were just laughing the whole time. At one point in time, he goes up to some person and says, I love your shoes. And they're like, thank you. And he grabs one and just starts taking it and <laughs> starts walking around with the shoe. And, uh, Somebody says, well, do you have a question? Well, no. Well, let me over here. Do you have a question? Yeah. Um, and ask him a question. And he goes back over. Well, here's your question. What do you think of that? What's your answer to that question? So anyway, I guess it was just wild. I said, was he on drugs? They're like, no. So. <laughs> but anyway. Um, and then uh, Ralph Macchio and uh, the Karate Kid William Zabka, they were awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I watched a panel with them. Um, just real down to earth. Great guys. 
Um, and then mm-hmm. I, the, the saddest one that I had, sorry to interrupt. I hopefully people don't mind my chatting about the Comic-Con. Um, the toughest one, though, to see was Val Kilmer. So we did get our picture with Val Kilmer. And he, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Iceman from, from Top Gun. I mean, that's one of the first movies I really remember watching was in those years, you know, when like Back to the Future came out. And because and, I would have been like, probably what 10 11 yeah 86 and, is when um top gun came out yeah and back to future is 85 so mm-hmm. yeah i would have been you know 9 10 11 right in that that time frame mm-hmm. right when you start really enjoying movies and, and retaining a lot of that stuff and uh and iceman was such a stud you know mm-hmm. um you know the volleyball scene where they're out on the beach and they're just just buff and awesome and mm-hmm. And he was such a badass and, and not the really the bad guy, but just a, a conflict guy. Mm-hmm. And um, to see him the way he was, he's fighting throat cancer, according to, to press releases and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I guess he was supposed to have a panel, but they canceled it, which it's like, I don't know how long he's been suffering from throat cancer, but you would have figured they wouldn't even have scheduled a panel for him. Mm-hmm. And then when we went there to get our pictures taken, he... He's only like 57 years old or something like that. And he looked much, much older. He he physically moved much older. Mm-hmm. And he held his neck really funny. And he couldn't talk at all. And he, his mannerisms were really off the wall, almost like like maybe he was taking some drugs that were kind of affecting his um, judgment. Mm-hmm. Well, so, and it could be I mean, if, if, know, he's, if he's battling cancer, who knows? Yeah, I mean, you could be yeah. taking painkillers. You got, you know, yeah, you don't know what you're dealing with there. But yeah. it, it broke my heart. We got a picture taken with him, and actually, the picture, he looked much better in the picture than I felt he did in person. But uh, prayers and and uh, thoughts for for Val Kilmer. Uh, I've always enjoyed the movies he's been in. I mean, he was fantastic in Tombstone. Oh yeah, uh, great in Top Gun. Um, another guy, a friend of mine, I never saw it, but in the doors, you know, he played Jim Morrison, I guess just knocked it out of the park. Yep. And, um, so anyway, sad things for Val Kilmer. Yep. There's also, my also, also, also good in the spy hard movies. Yeah. Spy hard. Yeah. And also in, uh, oh, was it no, spy hard? Well, he was Batman in the third Batman. It wasn't spy hard. Was it? What was that spy movie he made that it was the comedy spy kids? No. He made a movie. I know Kyle's probably sitting there yelling at his phone right now. He made a movie. Um. See, he was in Willow. God dang it! What was he? What was the spy movie? Top Google Secret. Really quick. Top can't... Secret. Oh, there you go. Top Secret. Now Kyle is feeling redeemed right now. There you go. But you know, he was also in one of my favorite movies, Real Genius. You know, I was telling uh, Donovan Maria about that when we were walking through the the Comic Con, yeah. and I'm like, "Do you remember?" It was like my first exposure to boobs was on pay-per-view back in those days. Remember, we had like a couple channels on cable that were dedicated to pay-per-view mm-hmm. and they had the preview on there that they would give you like a three minute preview to the movie, like a trailer, essentially. Mm-hmm. And the real genius trailer had the boob scene like mm-hmm. and it wasn't fuzzed out or cut. But you got to see her boobs mm-hmm. when she flashes them. Do you remember that? Billy? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Those couple months of that trailer on that thing. I think we were watching it all the time. Oh, yeah. At least when mom and dad were in the room. Yeah. So. Um, Got it. But, yeah. Anyway, so. 
Yep. So I was like, yeah, I remember uh, no, the boobs. I, I love, I love, like I said, love, love that movie. Anyways, all right, Beach, well, thanks for that on Comic-Con. Let's uh, move along here. It is now time to go under further review for week number two in the Pac-12. After further review, the runner did cross the line. The Touchdown! Okay, week number two. All right, week number two. So I've got our record heading into this week. Um, you, after week one, were doing pretty well. At 10 mm-hmm. out of 12. Kyle's... You know, I think I was drunk last week because I don't know why in the hell I would have said I support UCLA. From here on out, I want the team playing UCLA. That's just the default for me, okay? You were at 10 out of 12. Kyle was 8 out of 12. I was in third place at 7 out of 12. So Okay. Was there movement? We'll wait and see. Okay. So uh, all the games were on Saturday the 8th. First up, Beach was Arizona Houston. Who'd you pick? I picked Arizona. We all three did. How did we do? That's not good because Arizona quarterback Khalil Tate, who has been mentioned in the Heisman Trophy conversation, looked sluggish at times on Saturday, but finished the game strong, completing 24-45 passes for 341 yards and two interceptions and scored a touchdown run late as the Wildcats lost to the Houston Cougars 45-18. to Now, Tate... Wow. Tate tweaked his ankle in the first half, but remained in the game. And with just over eight, 11 minutes left in the game, Tate scored his only touchdown of the run on a on a two-yard run. Does this mean he's pretty much out of the Heisman uh, I, I run? Would, I would, I mean, unless he does something phenomenal in the next, you know, 10, 11 weeks. But I, I can't believe Arizona's 0-2. Was he that good going in from last he, season? He was phenomenal last year with his speed and elusiveness. It was crazy. Now, they say he tweaked his ankle on Saturday, but I'm wondering if he came into the season with a tweaked ankle because he has not looked like the same player as last year. He, You know, he's throwing the ball pretty well. It's not mobile. But, he, yeah, and he, I mean, last year he was killing people with his legs. So, but anyways. And now his legs are killing him. Yep, so none of us got the point there. Up next, Beach, UCLA at Oklahoma. I so badly want to do over on this. Who'd you take? I took a freaking bitch tits Chip Kelly. You took UCLA. Whereas Kyle, I hate you, Kyle. Kyle and I took Oklahoma. Well, the Bruins got off to a good start, but not could but could not sustain it as quarterback Dorian Thompson Robinson had good moments, but also struggled at times with accuracy, and Oklahoma prevented him from taking off for long runs. So Thompson Robinson finished sixteen of twenty six for two hundred fifty four yards, and Bolu Olerm from Army ran for fifty six yards and two TDs. So as the as Oklahoma beat UCLA forty nine to twenty one on Saturday, I like that name, Bolu Olorunfunami. Ball is right in front of me. Bolu Olorunfunami. Funami. Okay. It's brutal. Anyways, all right. So Kyle and I got the point there. Up next, Beach, Portland State at Oregon. I picked Oregon on this one. All three of us did. Quarterback Justin Herbert threw for 250 yards and four TDs before heading to the bench in the third quarter. And number 23, Oregon, routed Portland State 62-14 to on Saturday. Now, Herbert was, um, had, now has nine passing and one rushing touchdown this season. And also for the Ducks, Tony Brooks-James ran for 107 yards and two scores, while freshman C.J. Verdell ran for 106 yards and another TD. So right, Alrighty. So right now, Oregon is rolling. So we all got that. Up is, next, Beach. Is that, is that Brooks James a hyphenated name? Yeah, Brooks James. That's a really bad hyphenated name. 
And it's really big across his back. Okay, Beach, up next, Colorado at Nebraska. Ooh, damn it. I can't remember who I took on this one. Did I take a Colorado? No, all three of us took Nebraska. Now, okay. Colorado grabbed Nebraska fumbles on the Cornhuskers opening two drives and jumped out to a 14-0 lead. But the Huskers battled back to take the lead. However, Colorado scored on a 40-yard pass from Steven Montez to LaVisca Chenault Jr. with a minute six left to take the lead. They then survived a game-ending pass that sailed over the intended receiver's head in the back of the end zone to hold on for the win as time expired. Did you watch that game, Billy? You know, Beach, we were there at our tailgater. It was on. I couldn't watch it. I was cooking too many sandwiches. Okay, I just wondered if you maybe caught the highlights of that, that I, ending. That sounds like a hell of a, hell I, of a game. I, I did watch the highlights of it, but I did not watch the game itself. Okay, okay. So none of us got the point there. Up next, Beach, North Dakota at Washington. Oh, I think I picked the Huskies on this one. How's that? How'd, how'd the Huskies do? Because the Huskies got beat last week, didn't they? Yep, all three of us took the Huskies. Well, quarterback Jake Browning threw for 313 yards and two TDs. Ty Jones had two touchdown receptions, and Washington finally pulled away in the second half for a 45-3 victory over North Dakota on Saturday. Now, for three quarters, Washington's offense struggled to be consistent. Browning topped 300 yards, but also threw two careless interceptions, and the Huskies' run game managed just 79 yards through three quarters. Now, Miles Gaskin, the active leader nationally in career running yards, the beginning of the season was limited to just 53 yards of 15 carries, and 24 of those yards were came on one run. Uh, Washington picked up one first down between the middle of the second quarter and the five-minute mark of the third. So the game really looks like a blowout, but really it wasn't. Hmm. Washington struggled. Wow. Yeah. All right, Beach. up next, Utah at Northern Illinois. And I took the Utah all the way all three of us did now the Utes were shut out in the first half on Saturday night before rallying in the final two quarters and route to a 17-6 non-conference victory over Northern Illinois now Zach Moss for Utah ran for a touchdown while Chase Hansen added another score on a late interception return for a pick six as unranked Utah extended its non-conference winning streak to 21 straight games so that was a battle, and Northern Illinois actually led for a good chunk of that game. Is Northern Illinois pretty decent? They were good a couple of years ago, but, you know, with college football, things change for most teams. Yeah, like, you know, some teams can, like, just have a really good quarterback last year and then tumble like hell this year. Yep. All right, so everyone got the point there. Up next, Beach, USC at Stanford, the first inner Pac-12 game of the year. Uh, and I took the men of Troy on this one. That is correct. Kyle and I, however, took Stanford. Now, Stanford's Joe, Joey Alaferi and crew helped harass talented crush, uh, freshman quarterback JT Daniels into four sacks and three turnovers. And the 10th wow. ranked Cardinal held number 17 California to its fewest points in more than two decades in a 17-3 victory Saturday night. Now, Stanford has allowed just 13 points so far this season and has not given up a touchdown in the past seven quarters against San Diego State and USC. Now, Bryce Love did bounce back from his 29 performance uh, in last week's opener by rushing for 136 yards and a TD this week. Wow. Yeah. So Man, They just shut him down. Yep. So, uh, Kyle does Stanford I, have that? Is Stanford's defense that solid, or is USC's offense that weak? 
Um, well, USC's got a freshman quarterback. Okay. Wow. Okay. All right. So. Kyle and I get the points there. Next up, X Beach is BYU at Cal. BYU. Who'd you take? I think I took Cal. I nope, think I was you Pac-12. Took, you took BYU. I took BYU. Yep. Okay. All, for all, some reason, I kept thinking I was taking Cal. I was taking nope. the Pac-12, but you know, again, I was. I told you last week. I was. I was drunk. I. I. I took some. I. I had some. 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 What do they call those things? Uh, uh, what do they call those? They're not. They're like gummies or whatever. What do they call those things when you when you eat when you eat your pot instead you smoke it? Edibles. edibles. I, I had edibles. That's what it was. Edibles. And you totally thought that girl was of age. Yes. And I <laughs> thought it was a girl. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so BYU and Cal, we all took BYU. Now Cal held BYU to 94 total yards and four first downs in the second half and snagged a pair of interceptions for good measure. As they beat BYU 21 to 18. Now, for the second wow. straight game, the beer the Bears did not allow an offensive touchdown until the fourth quarter. Now, mm. Cal's effort on defense helped the offense take control with long second-half drives. The Bears held the ball for nearly 11 and a half minutes in the third quarter alone after having the ball for just 10-18 in the first and second quarters combined. Freshman Jace Garbers threw for 176 yards and two touchdowns while adding 45 yards rushing. Now, sophomore quarterback Brandon McIlwain Ran for 74 yards and a touchdown while also throwing for 30 yards on 5 of 7 passing. So, again, Cal is platooning quarterbacks. Platooning? Platooning. They're going with more than one. Okay. So. Um, the uh, Now, if I recall, Cal wasn't very good last year. It sounds like they're kind of turned the corner. They were okay, but they had their new coach. And it sounds like he's getting things put together over there. Yeah, I, I think they still got a ways to go, but we'll see. Yeah. Now, BYU. But they could, they're, they're a contender all the same. Well, BYU looked amazing or looked really good last week, really just shoving Arizona around, but mm-hmm. they weren't able to do that this week. So who knows? Huh. Well, yeah, you also had uh, a week where you could study, you know, their their offense and their defense and, and uh, make adjustments yourself for how they played in the previous week. So yeah. maybe. Game films helped. Oh, of course. All right, uh, three games to go here, Beach. Up next, Arizona State at Michigan State. Arizona State. Yes, that's right. Uh, you and Kyle both took Arizona State. I, however, took Michigan State. Which is, sounds like you're gloating right there in the terms of your, your voice. You fluctuated. Brandon. Like, actually, like, you're a jackass. <laughs> really? Arizona State kicker Brandon Ruiz kicked a 28-yard field goal as time expired, and the Sun Devils notched a marquee win early in Herm Edwards' tenure, knocking off number 15 Michigan State 16-13 on Saturday night. Quarterback Manny Wilkins missed some deep throws early, but found his mark when Arizona State needed him most. He hit Nikhil Carey on a 27-yard touchdown early in the fourth quarter and orchestrated a drive that set up Ruiz's winning kick, finishing with 380 yards passing. Hmm. So who's the jackass? You're still a jackass. Yeah. Well, you guys get the point on that one. 
Up next, San Jose. San Jose. <laughs> You've had some edibles tonight. Maybe San Jose State <laughs> at Washington State. Ooh, the I'm pretty sure the Kooks uh, beat them handily. I would think they should beat them handily. We all but three then, took yeah. Washington State. Quarterback Gardner Minshew threw three TD passes and ran for another score during an emotional night that began with a brief tribute to deceased Washington State quarterback Tyler Herlinski as Washington State shut out San Jose 31 to nothing. Now, Tay Martin caught a pair of touchdown passes for Washington State, uh, who came into the game a five-touchdown favorite. Minshew completed 34 of 51 passes for 414 yards. Wow. And I don't, you, we probably didn't talk about it, but uh, after Did, last season, uh, Tyler Holinsky uh, uh, took his own took, life. Took his own life, correct. Did they ever figure out why he took his own life? I, I, I have not heard and I have not looked. You, you know, there was a uh, mom was talking. Maybe you can uh, know this, but when we were at the game yesterday, mom mentioned that a former pro football player took his own life here just in the last few days. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember if she said who the gentleman was, but she goes, she goes, he was fairly young and had a young family and kids, and you know, they're saying it's due to uh, the the head injuries that these guys are suffering. And and I told mom, I said, you know. I said I'm not I'm not downplaying the the fact that there are head injuries and and these you know there's some serious issues going on, mm-hmm. but I said I hate to make uh, assumptions because the media wants to start a narrative that that football is causing all this. I mean, who's to say the man didn't have some other things and he was on some medications? Because there's a hell of a lot of medications that can cause people to start thinking suicide. And and I said I hate you know correlation does not necessarily um justify you know is not necessarily causation so but i don't know do you remember who the the pro player pro player was or or did you hear anything about that um it looks like his name was jason hairston uh he was 47 and he died on september 4th okay um and his wife said that he'd been struggling with worsening symptoms associated with cte which is chronic Traumatic encephalopathy. Mm-hmm. That's the uh, the brain injuries. Yeah. Yeah. Well, did we talk about the the thirty five yard rule on the kickoffs? Yeah, we did. We did briefly um, okay. about uh, it, you can fair catch inside the twenty five yard line on kickoffs. And you automatically get it at the thirty five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which doesn't make kickoffs as much fun, but. Um, yeah. So mm-hmm. anyway, it is what it is. The games are changing. Mm-hmm. You used to play with just leather helmets and no face masks and very little pads. Well, and you know, that's part of it too. Um, if, if, uh, you don't want, well, part of it I think is designing a helmet correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, because we probably know where, the impacts and what happens to cause the, 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 the brain trauma. Mm-hmm. You just got to be able to design a helmet that will take that force out of the equation. Th- this sounds stupid, Billy. I mean, but they I can mean, do it with done. cars, right? They can build yeah. crumple zones and stuff that, that, that take the impact and take all that energy away from yep. the rest of the crash. 
you know, that's what uh, we, we were chatting about this today. Maria mentioned, she said, you know, when I wear a, a helmet for, she has like a little ATV or something like that. Mm-hmm. And she says, you know, when I, when I have my helmet, she goes, if I get into an accident and my helmet takes an impact, she goes, really, I'm supposed to get rid of the helmet and get a new helmet because yes. the integrity of that helmet's been lost mm-hmm. and or compromised. And so it's interesting. Uh, makes you wonder how often, you know, and I suppose maybe at the pro level, they get new helmets every week simply for the fact that they could probably donate the other ones to, to charities or auctions or whatnot. Correct. But you're also not uh, supposed to be hitting with your head. Well, and that, that's the other thing, too, is, you know, are are the guys who are having these traumatic brain injuries? I mean, these aren't your receivers and your uh, your uh, offensive players. These these are kind of like your line guys and your, your tacklers, aren't they? Well, I mean, um, more defensive players and more, more the, uh, more the, uh, the aggressors. I, I, I think so. Um, and it says here that, uh, he had shown signs of dementia. Um, mm. okay. He was only 47. Um, I would int- see how many of them are defensive backs or how oh. many of them are. Um, how many of them are, uh, like how many linemen yeah. who, who aren't taking, you know, mm-hmm. they, they're, they're getting an impacts, but it's relatively close. Cause, Cause your, your DBs, your safeties are the ones that are doing most of the, uh, well, they're the, the ones the, that are getting the, heads, heads of steam before they hit guys. Yeah. Your linebackers. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Crazy. Yeah. So, anyways, I, I just think we need to try and they need to try to see what they can do. Like I said, to to, to minimize the impact on people. I had I had some gal today. We were talking about it there in line, and this gal's like, "Well, they've developed a helmet that that will save at some company in Canada, but that they're too expensive, and the NFL won't buy them." I'm yeah, like, "No, I highly doubt that." Yeah, yeah, they, they would said, buy that know, in a heartbeat. Yeah, exactly. When they're looking at the lawsuits, they are right now from or the medical costs of, mm-hmm. of these players right now mm-hmm. uh these helmets would be awfully cheap so i said yeah. that that narrative just doesn't make sense all right well we need to get moving here beach our last okay, sorry last game of the, of the week southern utah at oregon state oh i think we all took the beeves on this one billy that is correct beach freshman running back jamar jefferson rushed for 238 yards and four touchdowns including a weaving bobbing 62 yard score as oregon state beat southern utah 48 to 25 on saturday night now quarterback connor blunt started at quarterback and completed 15 to 22 passes for 226 yards and a td for the bees starting running back artavis pierce had 91 yards rushing on a touchdown for the bees before injuring his elbow early in the second quarter now coach jonathan smith said he wasn't sure about the severity of the injury or of the injury to wide receiver Trevon Bradford. Now the Beavs led 38 to nothing and went into the half up 41 to seven, having scored on seven of its eight first half possessions. Nice. So yes, good game. It's great fun game. game. Um, you wish uh, some things I would like to have seen. I would have liked to seen more push out of our defensive front, getting more pressure on their quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, because we didn't get a lot of pressure on him. Now when they did. Put a little bit of pressure on him. I tell you what, that quarterback was pretty good about rolling out and 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 keeping the play alive, and his receivers were really good at breaking off their routes and coming back for the ball. I saw that many many times. 
Hmm. And it, it really bailed him out. Um, nice. but we'd like to see a little bit more defensive pressure, but, uh, you know, all in all is offensively, it was fun to watch. And it's, and I felt like we were, were improving. Oh, you yeah. know, I always remember you talking a couple of years ago. You're like, I just want to see improvement every week. Yeah. Just get better. Yeah. Just get better. Um, I, I like I said, really liked how they look now, Jake Luton, who had gone through, uh, concussion protocol during the week came in and played in the second half and didn't look as good. Now I did think he had a couple of great passes. Um, there was that one pass later in the game that was ultimately dropped and would have gotten called back on a penalty anyway, where they ran a fake and he just zipped it across the middle. I mean, that guy has a gun on him. Mm -hmm. He has a gun on him. Now I don't think blunt has quite as strong an arm, but I really like his escapability in there and how he kept things going. I think he's a little bit more mobile. Mm-hmm. So, but anyways, exciting game. Really enjoyed it. Um, exciting tailgater. Freaking tailgater was awesome. Great tailgater. Um, yeah, everyone. I, I think a, everyone had a good time. We did a bunch of sandwiches. I think everyone loved the chicken wings. I was deep frying fool. I and I made cookies like a mofo too. Did yeah. you see them? I I almost went through all the cookies. Yeah, it's impressive. People were enjoying it. You gotta love yeah. when you come out to a tailgater and get fresh baked cookies. Yes. Totally. But, um, yeah, so and earlier we talked about the issue we ran into when we were putting up the tent. So I uh, got over to where we tailgate about 7.15 Friday night and had a couple people there to help me put up the tent. And the soccer game was going on. And one of the security guards came over and kind of started giving us a hard time because the athletic department personnel had parked a bunch of Kubota, you know, little quad runner mules. There's about five of them lined up against there. And they were like, hey, you guys can't be touching those. And we're like, well, we're not. And they're like, well, you, you can't do this because you're going to block them in. And I'm like, no, we'll make sure we're out of the way. Don't worry. We'll we'll move the tent out of the way um, after we're done putting it up. And so they left. Um, we had the whole thing up, and we were literally just about ready to move it down a few feet to be mm -hmm. out of their way when another mule pulled up. It was a lot nicer and closed. looked like it was probably had air conditioning on it. And this guy got out. And got really upset with us, you know, saying, what are you guys doing? You tailgaters come in. You start doing all this stuff. You don't have any right to be in here till 7 o'clock tomorrow morning. Um, do you guys even have permits to be in this lot? And I'm like, yeah, you know, this is 15th and Western lot. We've, we've got a permit. And he was, this isn't the 15th and Western lot. That's over there. And we're like, no, this is 15th and Western. And he was like, no. And that's when uh, one of the people with me started kind of popping off, go, how long have you been doing this job? And I kind of like, I kind of like started putting my hand behind me, like, shut up, dude. Like, be quiet. You're not helping me here. Cause, Do you know what the hell you're doing? Yeah. It's one of those things where, you know, there's, there's honey and vinegar and I needed honey right then, not vinegar. You know, I needed to, mm -hmm. I needed to catch a few flies. So I got him calmed down. I said, you know, we're just, we're, we're putting this up cause we want to get our tent up. We will be out of your way. We want you guys to do your jobs. You know, we, we, we don't want to be in your way. And so mm -hmm. he, he kind of calmed down. He left. We got the tent up. Everybody else left. I hung around, watched a little bit of a soccer game through the fence for a while. I saw him come back out. I went over and talked to him, and I just said, you know, I apologize for any misunderstanding. We weren't trying to cause a problem. And really, you know, we just wanted to get our tent up because we have a lot of people come out, and we've been tailgating in that lot for 18 years, since 2000. Mm -hmm. And actually, before, and I told him about the other lots we'd been in before then, and I'm like, you know, we've had our – season tickets for 26, 27 years now. And that, you know, we just like to get our stuff set up and, you know, and then he saw that we pushed everything out of the way and everything was going to be okay. And 
he calmed down and, and, and everything was all good. So we, we covered it over, but yeah, it was almost an interesting night because I told him when I go, look, I know I'm kind of massaging the edges of what's acceptable, but we just want to get our stuff up so we can get, get out there. And, and when I told him, I go, we just want to get out here. So at seven o'clock we can get our TV up and watch game day. He kind of smiled and was like, all right, okay. I understand now. <laughs> so anyways, but so great tailgater had a lot of fun. Went through a lot of sandwiches. Went I was going to say, didn't you, you? You said you made around 125 to 150, think, somewhere in there? I was counting the buns today. I think we made about 150. Okay, cool. Yep. So, so didn't seem like we had that many people there, but we didn't have any competing tailgaters, so people spread out quite a ways, too. Yeah. I completely agree. So, you know, I was surprised how uh, few people were there for this game. I mean, right, you know, maybe a couple hours before we finally started getting some tailgaters show up. And have you noticed there's not many small tailgaters anymore? It's like either big ones or they don't, yeah. they're not at all there. Yeah, no. And it was good. We had a good time. We had a good time. So, all right, Beach, at, after the end of last week, here's the standings. Okay. You only got five on the week, ended up at 15 out of 23. Okay. I got seven on the week. Ended up at 14 out of 23. Okay. However, Kyle mm-hmm. got eight on the week and is now in third place, is now in first place at 16 out of 23. Wow. So there you go. Well, as, as Ricky Bobby's daddy always used to say, if you ain't first, you're last. That's right. That is right. All right, Beach. So uh, let's talk about the Pac 12 in the polls. Um, all the polls came out for the week. Um, in the AP poll, Stanford is at number nine. Washington, even though with a loss, is at number 10. Oregon is at 20. USC at 22. Arizona State at 23. And Utah, Colorado, and Washington State are in the others receiving votes category. Now, in the USA Today coaches poll, Stanford's again at nine. Washington's at 12. USC at 21. Oregon at 23. Arizona State at 25. And Washington State and Colorado are in the others receiving votes category. Okay. So there we go. All right, Beach. it is now time for the Tommy Tuberville. What's he think I look like? A jackass? You sure do. <laughs> jackass of the Week Award. Every week we like to discuss a person in college football who exemplifies the truly worst in sportsmanship, leadership, or just being a fan. Were you going to say something? Oh, I'm just excited. I always love the Tommy Tupperville because it's, sometimes well, it can be so so interesting. And, and, There's no audio visual that I need to have on this one, is there? No, 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 no. And, and well, I mean, you could, okay, you, you could, but we don't, we don't need to. Um, it's it's not part of the and, show. Okay. And, and this one, it's not really going to a person per se, but mm-hmm. more to the system itself. The system. Yeah, the whole well, this, this whole system. Um, so on Saturday, Beach, uh, Florida was playing Kentucky. And Florida actually had beaten Kentucky in 31 straight games. Okay. That's 31 straight years. Mm-hmm. Which, that's just ugly. Mm-hmm. Considering their conference rivals. So, in the game, Florida freshman kicker Evan McPherson um, stared at uh, the official, his hands spaced more than a foot apart, his face in disbelief. So, in the game... Uh, McPherson lined up for a kick, right? Kicked a field okay. goal, and he thought it was good. It was a 36-yarder. He thought it sailed successfully through the uprights, cutting Kentucky's third-quarter lead to one possession. Okay. But the officiating crew positioned underneath the goalpost saw it differently. 
They ruled it no good. Now that drew an impassioned reaction from his teammates and coaches and a roar of jeers from the home crowd there um, in Florida. So the refs blew the call? Well, subsequent replays confirmed McPherson's attempt should have been deemed successful field goal. But confusion remained as to why no review had commenced on a blatant error. Now, wide receiver Josh Hammond was saying, I was saying review it. Apparently, you can't review it. So according to the NCAA's rulebook concerning reviewable plays, field goals are eligible for review only if the attempt does not extend past the 30-foot upright. So the upright goes 30 feet in the air. So as long mm-hmm. as the as the kick is not over the upright, like over the okay. height of the upright, then it's reviewable. But if it goes over the height of the upright, they can't review it. Now it so says is this a high kick? It just went really high through the through the uprights. Okay. Now it, it, the kick did exceed to uh, did appear to exceed the mark by less than the length of a football. So it was just you know. Less than a football length over the top of the top of the upright, but uh, it left Florida where they couldn't ask for a review on it. Now, at best, the Gators were That's... fortunate victim of human error. At worst, the blown call was a potentially game-changing sequence for a team looking for any piece of momentum to latch onto Saturday night because Kentucky went on to defeat Florida and end the 31-game winning streak. Now, this this is just silly, I think. Because um, if you look at this, in this they had these same issues in the um, NFL, right? Uh-huh. And they had this problem where um, they weren't able to see kicks over, and so they uh, Bill Belichick of the New England Patriots legislated to get them to add five feet on the top of the upright. Which takes really? a little bit, which takes a little bit more engineering and that kind of stuff because you need the upright mm-hmm. to stand up straight, and yeah. those uprights in college cost five to six thousand dollars, and the new ones cost eh, a chunk more. But my issue with that is, how much money do these teams spend on all this other crap? Why can they not go in and put these thirty-five foot uprights that exist? Right? Mm-hmm. It's not something yeah. that has to be go out and be engineered. They exist. All the NFL stadiums use it. Why can't the college stadiums use them? Because it's just stupid, right? Or why, why do they? Or the other question is, why do they have a height restriction on, on reviewable plays for college kicks? Well, and see, I don't know if you ever notice how they. I, I mean, I mean, I, I don't understand why you can't. I mean, if if the refs can't make the call, then a camera can confirm it, height or no height. Well, my issue. If you've got a de- if, you've, if you've got a dead on camera, on on the in the on the on the center hash mark, uh-huh. looking at the ball going through the uprights then it's going to have a direct view or a pretty decent view mm-hmm. of if that thing is on the inside or outside of the post. Well, and I don't see how you don't – if you ever watch how the referees do it, you've got one referee under each upright. So my thing is mm-hmm. you should be standing there on the outside of the upright, being able to look straight up the edge of the upright. And as Absolutely. long as you don't see that ball come outside that upright, it should be good for you. So one side is always going to put his hands up, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's not going on that side. He doesn't yeah, see it's anything. Clear. And then the other side, you know, if it's right down the middle, they're both going to put it up because they didn't see the ball go on the outside of the upright. Mm-hmm. But 
Anyways, it's just a mess, and it's something easily fixable with very little cost. So now you lost me here. So they broke the streak or they continued the streak? No, Kentucky actually broke the streak. Because of this? Well, it helped them. Um, Florida was doing everything they can to try and – to get some momentum going and uh, mm-hmm. they, you know, missing that didn't help. And of course that puts every, a bad taste in everybody's um, mouth. Right. Yeah. And because it just, was it genuine? Was, yeah, was it, was well, it? Yeah. And then it just, you know, especially for, such a, blo- especially such a blown call. Mm-hmm. Not, not just like uh what was he juggling it when he went out of bounds? You know, was, you know, but, yeah. mm-hmm. exactly. It, it was, it was a, it was a score. Yep. It wasn't a, Potential first down. It wasn't a this. It was a it was, score. It was a field goal. They lost. Yeah. Yeah. So for the NCAA and all the institutions for not just putting in some goalposts that are actually five feet taller and cutting down some of this controversy, you get this week's Jackass of the Week award. <laughs> Alrighty, Beach. It is now time for our musical interlude of the week. Kyle's turn this week, wasn't it? It is Kyle's turn, and he has emailed me. Kyle writes, a win, a win. It must have been the cheesesteaks. And as a side, Kyle, you don't know how right you are. So (laughs) Kyle continues, which thing comes first, musical interlude? I am a Queen fan. If you recall, I did choose one vision for last year's soundtrack theme, which he did. He continues, great picks from you two. The first two CDs I ever bought were Lenny Kravitz, Are You Gonna Go My Way?, and Queen's Greatest Hits. Off that album, I got introduced to more than the Bohemian Rhapsody and We Will Rock You that I knew about Queen. I think we should continue with their faster-paced stuff. Seven Seas of Rye first appeared as an instrumental on their debut album and a final version on their follow-up album, Queen 2. Their third single, it was the first chart entry peaking at number 10 on the UK singles chart. Thanks, Wikipedia. Now for Kyle... Here is Queen's Seven Seas of Rye. Shut the bar. 
I like that. I like that song, Beach. It really shows how varied Queen was, because that that song has a lot more uh, piano in it, and it's it's really weird when mm-hmm. you think of Queen as like a hard rock or a. It's hard to call them a metal band. It's hard. You, you don't want to call them. Mm-hmm. They're kind of hard rockish, but they had so many different kinds of sounds, and I think that's a good one to throw in there because. Oh yeah. Because it's just a, it sounds a lot different than anything else we played so far. And oh, I know, absolutely. And I know we'll see some more. So, so beach next week will be your pick. So be okay. ready. So be ready with that. All right, let's go on to the Pac-12 Week Three preview. And I've got my handy sheet of paper down to write down everyone's picks. First up, beach. Okay. All these games are on Saturday, September fifteenth. First up is UC Davis at Stanford. Who are you taking? I'm pretty sure uh, the uh, the uh, boys on the farm are going to take that one. So I'll go with Stanford. You're taking Stanford? I, too, am taking Stanford. Mm-hmm. Kyle says, you see Davis at Stanford. I see Davis losing. Stanford. Yeah, I see what you did there, Kyle. You're, you're a funny guy. <laughs> I, I didn't even know UC Davis had a football team. Yeah. Well, which is funny because UC Davis started out as Cal Berkeley's farm. Oh, oh, yeah. Remember when we talked about Berkeley? They started out yes, as Cal I Berkeley's do farm. That. that was where their, their ag program was, and then it broke off into its own school. All right. I still think there should be a club split there. And there's a Woodstucks there, too. All right, up next, Beach, San Jose State at Oregon. Oh, um, the Ducks are going to win that one. If, if, if the Ducks don't win that one, I'd love to see that because then they get knocked off of their top, uh, their top 25 uh, ranking. But it's not going to happen. Yeah. All right. Kyle says, who's that Spartan giving up all those points? Points. It's them. It's them. Oregon. I don't get that one. But he's taking Oregon. I, too, am taking Oregon. I feel bad because the uh, head coach there at Oregon is former wide receiver coach at Oregon State, Brett Brennan. And uh, I really want to see him be successful there. But he's got a tough road to hoe this year, opening at Washington State and Oregon. So, all right, uh, game number three, New Hampshire at Colorado. New Hampshire really a state. They're kind of just up there in that cluster up in the corner. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. And like like New Hampshire, I think like a couple of their counties up there actually get their power or something from Canada. Like I wouldn't they share stuff. I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, I, they're they're not really yeah. Don't think much of them up there. Anyway, um, let's go with, um, yeah, not them. Colorado. Okay. Kyle says, I only know that Chip was their coach and the Ohio State acting coach was their quarterback. Colorado. So I, too, am taking Colorado. Like acting coach or like their acting coach, like drama? No, I think it's the guy who is in place as the coach right now as Urban Meyer is suspended. Like interim. Yeah, because he wouldn't be an interim, would he? No, he's the acting coach. More or less like a scab. All right, uh, so we all got Colorado. Up next, Beach. Um, Idaho State at Cal. Ooh, I'm I'm thinking Cal's gonna win this one. Taking Cal, I too am taking Cal. Kyle says Cal because you can get a ticket for six dollars on StubHub for this game. 
Which, Kyle, I have to tell you, when Jess and I drove down there in 2013 to watch um, Oregon State play Cal, we did it kind of on a goof Friday night. About 5.30, we decided we were going to drive to Berkeley. We left at about 7.45 and went to the game the next evening. We got There was tickets on StubHub for a dollar. It's part of the reason why we went. Like, wow. Tickets are only a buck. Let's go. All right. Totally worth it. Up next, USC at Texas. Hmm. You know what? I'm going to take Texas on this one. You got USC that, after losing to Stanford, evidently isn't uh, isn't the USC that we all know and love or hate. And uh, they're flying all the way to Texas, so they're going to have some jet lag. Yeah. And uh, everything's uh, bigger and better in Texas. So, I don't know. I'm going with Texas. Okay. Kyle says, Texas is second only to Michigan in the number of wins over their history. But here will be another loss. So, he's taking USC. I, too, am taking Texas, Beach. Okay. I think uh, they're going to be hurting. I think USC is going to be hurting down there. Mm-hmm. All right. Up next, Eastern Washington at Washington State. Eastern Washington's the, the Eagles, right? The Screaming Eagles? Correct. With the red turf. Correct. But they're playing at Wazoo. Yeah. Um, you know, I think Leach will pull a win out of that one. Okay. Kyle says, battle on the Palouse. Wazoo. So I, too, am taking Wazoo. All right. Looks like we got, what, uh, one, two, three, four, five games left. Up next, Washington at Utah. I'm thinking uh, uh, we're going to go with U-A-Dub. Okay. You got U-A-Dub. I, too, am taking Washington. Kyle says Washington is the one to beat, but Utah won't. Washington. I, I agree. I Utah has just not impressed me this season. Washington hasn't looked incredible, but Utah has just not looked good at all, in my opinion. Okay. Yeah, that, that was kind of my thought. Up next, Arizona State at San Diego. Well, you know, I'm going to have to take Arizona State because I just didn't even know there was a school in San Diego. Kyle says, Arizona State. I am going to take Rocky Long and San Diego State. Really? Yeah, he's the head coach down there. I think the Herm Edwards experiment is going to hit some skids this week. All right, up next, Fresno State at UCLA. Fresno State? Really? Yes. Because UCLA is coached, and I, like I said, I'm not eating edibles tonight. I've got, I got no excuse. I'm not, I'm not going to support that son of a bitch in anything. He's a no good, lying, cheating bastard who should have, who should have been kicked out of the Pac-12 for life not just some bullshit two- or three-year ban for the same time he had a contract with the NFL for. He should have a freaking scarlet letter on his freaking chest with a big-ass C that says cheater. Maybe a big W for whore. Maybe a C and a W for a cheater and a whore. Tell us how you really feel, Beach. Don't hold back. Yeah, so there you go. All right. Good freaking bastard. Kyle says, more like Frezzy's. Chip loses another. Don't get that one either, Kyle. But he's taking FSU. I, too, am taking Fresno State. 
I think McMarion's going to get a win. Okay, next up, Southern Utah at Arizona. It's funny, these teams are playing like two pack 12, each of them are playing like two pack 12 teams. Yeah. Um, I think Arizona's going to win that thing. Okay. I just don't think Southern Utah is that good. Okay. Arizona. I, too, am taking Arizona. Kyle says, surprise, Arizona. Now, I do get that one, Kyle, because there's a surprise, Arizona. Arizona, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yep. Yeah, you, but it wouldn't have been it, can, it wouldn't have been as funny if you said like Phoenix Arizona or something yeah, like that. Yeah. But surprise Arizona. Okay. Yeah. And the last game of the week, Oregon State at Nevada. Beavers all the way. There's just gonna be another butt kicking. I'm hoping to see some more offense. Kyle too says run game looks good. Go Beavs. So I agree. So we are down there. We will mm-hmm. see how next week pans out. Yes. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think the Beavs uh, got a good shot at winning that one. We need to win one on the road. They haven't run on the road since uh, 2014 at Colorado. Since 2014? Yes. Early October. Good golly, I had... Early October 2014 at Colorado. We've been struggling for a while, haven't we? Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So, we had three lost years under Gary Anderson. Although they did win in a civil war, which is always nice. But, uh, yeah, so we need to win one on the road. So, And this is a good shot to get a win on the road. With with the way the offense has looked in these first two games, Beach, the, the Beavs have some potential to win some games over these next few games. Mm-hmm. With, with, with Nevada and Arizona not looking great, Arizona State, Colorado, um, Cal. I think they've got some shots in there. So... We need to pick mm-hmm. them up while we can. All right, Beach, let's look at uh, Nevada a little bit, um, the the next opponent. We've never talked about uh, University of Nevada, Reno. So, Beach, No, know, we, we were down there once, but it's been like, what, 20 years? Uh, it was 1999 we saw a game at Nevada, Reno. We wow. saw Erickson's first uh, game he coached for the Beavs. Really? Was that that game? That was that game. He came back, and uh, the Beavs came back from behind and beat Nevada, Reno, um, in that game, uh, in Reno, uh, to set up the end of the uh, season-long losing streak. So yeah, little did we know history was getting ready to be made that season. So Beach, uh, I just I just remember everybody trekking up that hill from downtown Reno up to the stadium, and it was just a sea of orange going up there. So many people down there, and then after the game, walking around all the casinos and stuff, and it was just go Beavs, go Beavs, go Beavs, go Beavs, go Beavs. It was great. So, Beach, the Nevada State Constitution established the State University of Nevada in Elko, Nevada, on October 12, 1874. Okay. Now, in 1881, it became Nevada State University. In 1885, the Nevada State University moved from Elko to Reno. Hmm. Now, in 1906, it was renamed the University of Nevada, and finally... Um, it was uh, renamed in 1969 to the University of Nevada, Reno. And that is the reason because they used to have the Nevada University of Nevada Southern Campus located in Las Vegas. 
but it became its own school in 1965 to become UNLV. So in 1969, they renamed the University of Nevada because you had the University of Nevada in Reno and you had the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. So okay. a couple of years later, they renamed it the University of Nevada, Reno. Gotcha. So everyone calls it Nevada, but really it's Nevada, Reno. Okay. Yeah. Now the official school colors are navy blue and silver, which I think is a great color combination. And they're, well, and, and aren't they also called, aren't they the Silver State? Yes, it is the Silver State, correct. Yeah. That is correct. Now, um, the nickname is the Wolf Pack. Mm-hmm. And they, they, have, they, they have two mascots, Alfie and Wolfie Jr. Why two? I don't know. But I mm-hmm. like Alfie. Why, what's Alfie? I, like I don't get Alfie. it. You, you don't? Does it? Like alpha, alpha male. Oh, for like a for like a wolf. Yeah. Okay. Because you want your you want your the alpha male leads the pack. When I was at the uh, when I was at the Comic Con today, there was this dude cosplaying, mm-hmm. and he looked like a wizard, but he had this weird like space alien face on, and I'm like, he kind of looks like Alf, and then somebody walked by and says, "Hey, look, it's Gandalf." Oh, Gandalf. There we go. Really? So, yeah. So it's not the same as Alfie, but you know, it's kind of there. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> it was I, it was Gandalf. I guess. <laughs> so I don't they, know. They, if he, I don't know if he ate. I don't know if he ate cats or anything. But. So so they have three. So they have Alfie. They uh, have like his son, Wolfie Junior. And then there's actually a female one named Luna. Luna. Well, because like wolves bark at the moon. Yeah. There you go. So um, Nevada Reno, um, they play at Bark Mac- at the Moon. Isn't that who, who sings that song? Bark at the Moon. Oh, Ozzy Osbourne. Ozzy Osbourne. Okay. So uh, yeah. they play at Mackey Stadium. Now okay. the stadium was completed in 1966 with a seating capacity of 7,500. It has now been expanded several times in the last 15 years and now seats over 26,000. So wow. um, rather small stadium, more like the size of the old pre-renovated um, like Parker. Parker. Yeah, yeah, Parker Stadium. Like Parker. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's, uh, what I remember about it, a couple things, is really pretty stadium. You could look down over downtown with all the casinos, and you could also mm-hmm. see the mountains off to the left. And I remember no no cover, too. wasn't? Isn't the yeah. whole stadium open? Stadium's open. Yeah, and that was the first stadium we saw them actually selling hard liquor and, and uh, beer in the stands. They didn't have a margarita uh, yeah. that they would just squirt in your cup. Yeah, they had a margarita backpack. On yeah, that note, that Beach, was awesome. so um, what did you think about the alcohol sales at uh, Research Stadium this last week? Um, well, I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not a drinking guy, so I really just don't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it changes my life nothing. Yeah, me too. Um, I, thought, I thought the organization was pathetic uh, yeah. because they didn't have enough kiosks. The lines were way too long. And they screwed up traffic flow in the uh, in the in that area there, the concessionary. Yeah. So that was BS. Well, here's um, the problem with that, Beach. You know what's going to happen because you don't know how people are going to one. You know how the the, the demand. Yeah, and, I was surprised. There was a, a big demand. Well, when we first, I mean, everybody up, I saw had a beer in their hand. When we first walked up and I saw the line, I was thinking because that's usually where the Dutch brothers. Coffee yeah, kiosk was, and I remember thinking, man, don't even a, know where the Dutch Bros yeah, went. I remember thinking, I mean, there's a lot there of people in line for Dutch Brothers for a relatively warm game. Then I looked and realized it was beer, but they don't just have beer on tap. I also saw that they were selling cans 
in the regular concession stands. Wow. Yeah. So that's interesting. But I, I didn't see anyone drunk and disorderly. And for a five o'clock kickoff, I, I could really have. I, I would say nothing, nothing more than normal. Yeah. You know, yeah. whether you're going to get drunk out in the stands and and uh, and and stagger your way up to your seat or or whatnot. You, you know, I honestly, I, like I said, it doesn't bother me. Um, if they're not going to drink in the stands, they're going to drink out in the parking lot. Um, and you know, I mean, I guess I look at it and the, the school's been giving up massive amounts of revenue for decades, having an alcohol ban. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not stopping anybody from drinking. So, you know, it's you can, you can stand on your moral high horse and say, look, we're stopping this, but you know, you're letting them have in and out privileges during halftime. And I mean, I always remember we would sit in the stands and we had a couple guys that would, you know, the one big guy would always sit next to you and beat on you oh, during the game. Yeah, and then, <laughs> yeah, God. and he, he, he'd go, he'd watch the first half, he would leave, and he'd go, I'll be back, I'll be back. And sure as hell, he got drunk off his ass out at halftime. Never and I don't back. think he ever came oh, back. No. Yeah, no. never came back for the second half of the game. Yep. Didn't stop him from drinking, though. Oh, no. <laughs> he seemed to drink a lot. So, But yeah. anyways, I thought it was good. I liked the new ribbon board. Um, yeah, that was neat. And I also like the wider field division on that screen. That was nice. Yes. Without having the ads on the replay screen. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. So, but so, um, yeah, I no. think, I think, I think that pushing the lottery ball kind of game that they had was kind of stupid. So yeah, that was kind of dumb, the, put, but uh, put your I, hands in the air. I, I liked a lot of the new stuff. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, clear bag policy seemed to go. Okay. It did slow down. Look like it slowed down people getting into the stadium. But long, long freaking lines. Uh, but you and I kind of shortcutted that. But yeah, yeah, there, the, well, something weird just, with the line. The problem is when you throw throw another monkey in the wrench, it's going to take a while for people to uh, to uh, deal with it. Now I took my my chainsaw in just fine, and I just had two bottles of water in my hand that I carried in with me. Didn't have a problem. Uh, they didn't even check to see if they were sealed, but I guess we don't we don't look like we're trying to. Yeah. Yep. do anything but yeah anyways so uh yeah um so that's a little bit about uh, nevada reno uh, anyone traveling down there i hope you have a good time enjoy it i really like to see the beavers win but now yeah. it is time for beach's rant of the week Okay, Billy, I was thinking about this. You know, I rant on all sorts of things during the week, but then when it comes to doing this this podcast, I always struggle for something that I figure I'm going to entertain people with because I want to entertain and, and bitch and educate all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, or at the same time. And so I'm thinking about this. And, you know, one of the things that really freaking pisses me – well, everything pisses me off. But what pisses me off in Portland is freaking TriMet. Is that stupid? No. I hate TriMet myself. No, no TriMet freaking sucks. Okay. So, and, and you know, a lot of people sit there and like, well, we need public transportation. No, we don't. Okay. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to put my, my thoughts on this one together as best I can. Hopefully the audience can follow along. 
But, you know, people sit there and they, they brag, you know, oh, light rail is so great. No, light rail is a piece of crap. Light rail should have never been built. Light rail is a 100-year-old system that doesn't deserve to be in today's world. It went out of bit. It, it, they, they cl- so a lot of people don't even know the history of light rail. So the, the whole idea behind a fixed rail system came about before the automobile had any kind of volume in, 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 on, out in the world. And it was the best way for people to travel in urban areas. Yeah. And then ultimately, after World War II, the automobile became much more accessible and affordable. The suburbs started growing like crazy. The fixed rail systems could no longer keep up. And the, also the demand for uh, a privately owned transit system. And I want to be clear, privately owned, not government owned, privately owned transit system was no longer necessary. Ridership left. The fixed rail system was too expensive. There was other things, too. Most of those trolleys were operated by the electrical companies in town, which people don't realize. And then what happened was, and I don't agree with it, but the government, the, there was influence in the government to pass laws that said that the, that the electrical companies couldn't own trolley companies anymore, that they couldn't own two corporations in those two fields. So all of the trolley, all of the electrical companies divested themselves of the trolley companies and then actually started charging real costs of the electricity to operate the trolleys. So then the trolleys couldn't make a profit. General Motors and uh, Goodyear went in, like especially like down in L.A., and they went in and bought up the trolley company. They bought up the yellow line, tore it up, and turned it into a bus system, not because they wanted to get rid of the trolleys. The trolleys had outlived their usefulness. They simply saw a market for buses and mass transit using a bus system, using existing infrastructure, mm-hmm. and it makes much more freaking sense. And that's why buses should work, and that's why we shouldn't have fixed rail systems because when a fixed rail system breaks down, it shuts down the whole dang system. It's too expensive per mile, and it uses a completely separate infrastructure, which is more expensive than just using the freaking roadway. Yeah, because the roads okay. are there. So, exactly. And so then, but now let's forward, fast forward why Portland freaking sucks with Metro. So Portland had a similar problem with them. They had the Rose City Transit Company. It started out as a trolley organization, and then they ultimately started buses. It was organized with like three other bus companies in the region, but the Rose City handled Portland. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what happened was from like 1956 to 1969, while it was in operation, it went from 29.1 annual riders to 15.7 million. So from 56 to 69, they actually lost damn near half of their ridership mm-hmm. because people were okay. buying cars because people were buying cars and it was no longer necessary. So their cost of operation because of economies of scale, they had to raise their prices and they were having trouble getting and making enough money because it was privately owned to be able to provide the services, but they were considered a franchise. So they couldn't just raise their rates. They had to get everything approved from the government, <coughs> from the, the city council and the city council, other Cities had already started taking over the the uh, the transit systems, right? Well, they're losing money, so the city should buy it and lose money. Is that what you're saying? That seems like a good idea to you. Well, evidently it did, and so like this, they they tried to pass a uh, a bond measure that was going to give like three hundred thousand dollars to help subsidize the Rose City Transit Company, but the bond also gave the city the right to take over. Uh, if the city council approved and that was called proposition 55 it was like in 1960 something and actually the voters rejected the damn thing they're like we don't want to own the piece of crap Mm -hmm. you know 
And ultimately, then the, the cost got so extensive and they kept going to the city of Portland asking for a rate increase. They said, can we charge more to the consumer because we're losing money? And the city council says, no, you can't charge them more money. And they're like, well, we can't make a profit if we can't raise our rate and we're not going to stay in business lose money. And so then the city council said, OK, well, then we're going to buy you out. And they're like, OK, we want this many million dollars for operation. No, 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 we're not going to pay you that much. And so then they got sued and they actually just said they were going to take over the operation. And so there's this big ass battle. They essentially forced the, um, the Rose city transit company out of business. They paid them. And, and again, somewhere in the, in the middle is right. The Rose city transit company wanted like $5 million for their assets. Um, I think they got like, like one or $2 million yeah, for their assets. Yeah, about 2 million. Yeah. Yeah. They totally got And I mean, again, it, I, I wasn't there. Don't know what the value was. But they got far less than what they considered a fair deal. Um, I, I think they got screwed by the judges on the whole thing. Um, they just got screwed. And since then, they created Metro. And then the state legislature came in, and they said, well, the city council doesn't have the right to run it, so we're going to create a whole little Metro organization, which will cover us, and we're going to appoint a bunch of people to run it, and they're going to do all this crap. And they freaking steal our money. They run a crappy-ass program. They spend way too much damn money to operate the policy around. I mean, you know, I don't ask people to fill my tank full of gas. I I don't ask people. I mean, I, I pay gas taxes on top of the cost of fuel to pay for my use of the roads. I pay my insurance to make myself legal on the roads. I don't ask for subsidies. If people are going to car people, essentially, which is what a, what a public transit system is, is saying, hey, we don't want to spend the cost of a vehicle, the cost of insurance, and the cost of gas. We would like to pool our money and ride in a bus together and take more time and, and be more efficient. Maybe we want to be more environmentally friendly. I don't really care what your passions or prejudices are, okay? But why in the hell should I have to subsidize somebody else? I'm not asking them to subsidize me. If they're choosing to live that way, then then these people can pay the fair right for, for running the system and they should run it as cheapest and efficiently as possible, which is with buses. And if they had a private industry working for profit, running that system, TriMet would service more people, better quality service at a lower freaking price and no cost to taxpayers. But instead, we got this crazy ass goddamn Metro thing, which not only do they steal money from us, they steal money from all of the vendors who are serviced by them because every freaking company that is serviced by, the, by, Metro, by TriMet has to pay a fee. I remember talking to my old barber, Rick, and he was all pissed off because they had to pay $50 a month so that they could get TriMet service for the one guy who got a haircut using the bus or, or Max. He's like, I have to pay $50 so I can charge the guy who uses TriMet, you know, so he can pay me $20 for a haircut. I have to pay TriMet 50 bucks a month. And that's where my audio cut out in the recording process. I don't know what happened, but uh, I don't think anyone wants to listen to a one-sided conversation of Beach ranting and answering questions he can't hear, and then me pontificating for several minutes on end. Needless to say, Beach uh, went on about uh, Metro and TriMet for a little bit longer, and I tend to agree with him. Uh, light rail is not the way to go. It's a fixed service. You can't change it. Buses, I can move from here to there if needs and once change of my riders I can change the routes with a light rail you're stuck with a fixed uh, set of offerings but anyways so uh, we're going to wrap up this show uh, 
We'll be back next week getting ready. Hopefully, we will be talking about a Beaver Road victory in Reno, which will be a good thing. And we will start talking about the upcoming second home game of the 2018 season against Arizona, which has been announced for a 1 p.m. kickoff on Saturday the 22nd. And just so you know, we called an audible today. We will not be doing what we'd originally intended. The 1 o'clock kickoff, we're going to have to shift things around a little bit, but we'll get into that next week. So until then, here's a great big Go Beavs. Oklahoma, I forgot to write down the score, beat UCLA. I'm looking it up. I'm going to edit all this out, Beach. You will all not right, hear it. Well, you won't hear it because you never listen to this, but that's okay. I would love you to leave it in just for the fun of it. No. Make you look I, like a moron because you always make me look like a moron. You don't seem to have a problem with that. You never cut my crap out. I, I never make you look like a moron. I just emphasize. I make myself look like I just emphasize your moronicness. <laughs>